Morning, church. So here's what we're going to talk about today. Several weeks back in our auditorium class, which I'm teaching right now, the question came up, well, what does a healthy church look like? And I thought, that's a great question. Maybe we need to spend some time on that. So my, my goal today is to make you aware. It's to make you aware. I, to make you aware of the state of this church. To make you aware of the state of the church. And by making you aware, hopefully, maybe we can gain some ownership in how we need to move forward. And so this is, this is kind of an annual checkup. Uh, we'll be talking about that. What does a healthy church look like? That, that's a great question, and I'm going to address that question, but that's all I'm going to do is address it because there's so many different answers. There's no shortage of answers, no shortage of books, no shortage of articles, no shortage of speakers, no shortage of any lectureship at a Christian college talking about this. But today I want to give you some facts. We're going to start. I'm going to give you some facts because you need to be aware. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in our own little Belton America that we forget that um, we just don't know what's happening outside of Belton. And so I'm going to illustrate in a number of ways. I don't know if you read the Christian Chronicle. The Christian Chronicle is... Um, produced out of the campus of Oklahoma Christian. It just happens to be housed there. And they have been running a series of articles on church growth, really on church decline. Here are some of the headline articles in the Christian Chronicle. Where have all the churches gone? Wow. Church closing trend began before COVID-19. So you can go to christianchronicle.org. You can pull these articles up. You don't have to believe me. Um, a final song, a familiar end, a rural, rural Tennessee congregation closes, reflecting a trend seen nationwide. That was their March 22. And here's the church. And you're thinking, that's a pretty good-sized church. No, that's a pretty much article will tell you. That's most of the people that used to go to church there. And they came back because the church was closing and they had their final service. Now, I, I want you to let that sink in. This, this church just closed. This church just closed their doors. Don Hebert has been telling us about that. If you don't know who Don Hebert is, he preached before me after... Um, um, the last preacher before me, and we've brought him in. He's done some consulting, and, and Don said his work as a consultant has shifted from helping churches grow to helping churches decline and close their doors. I, I really want that to sink in today. So again, from the Christian Chronicle, Churches of Christ reached their peak in about 1990 with about 1.7 million adherents. That's people that go to church. 13,000 churches, according to a national directory published by 21st Century Christian. A trend of decline set in at that point, which has now become a significant loss. Since 1990, we're going the other way. We peaked in attendance in 1990. So for the last 32 years, we're declining. Let me keep reading. In the past three decades, adherents are down 14%, and the number of congregations are down um, 9%. Let me keep going. Whether urban or rural, the overwhelming majority of churches of Christ, 85% are under 200 in attendance. I want you to let that sink in. 85% of usums, churches of Christ, 85% of us have an attendance below 200. More than half, even before the pandemic, had an average attendance of just 34 people, so it's not the pandemic's fault. 50% of churches of Christ average 34 people. 
Wow. Now, 1,200 churches have closed their doors in the last three decades. 200 congregations have closed since 2014. What makes us think we're doing anything different to not be one of them? A final song, a familiar end. In my lifetime, some of the largest churches of Christ, especially in Oklahoma and Texas, have sold their buildings or downsizing or closing their doors. Churches that used to have thousands and thousands of members. For example, churches that used to be thriving, healthy churches are down to maybe a couple of hundred or non-existent. The Moberly Church of Christ in Longview, Texas, we lived in, in Longview for 19 years, and right when we got there, the Moberly Church of Christ closed their doors. They used to average 800 at VBS. They closed their doors, they sold their building. The Quail Springs Church of Christ in Oklahoma City, where I attended when I was in college, they used to average 1,500 to 2,000, closed their doors, sold their building, no longer exists. A church in Tulsa that used to run 1,500, closed its doors, no longer exists. And according to the Christian Chronicle, there's 1,200 other churches just like them. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to depress you. This is a state of the church. I want you to be aware. I want you to be aware. That's, that's why we talk about church health, and that's why we take church health assessments. And I, I want us to realize that the church in the 50s isn't working and churches in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s, and I read just this last week that whatever we were trying to do 15 years ago no longer works. Again, I'm not saying this to upset anyone. I'm saying this to let you know the state of churches of Christ. According to Gallup research, Americans are going to church less and less, with church membership dropping below 50% for the first time in eight decades. Wow. So I, I don't know how that affects you. I, I think what we should be thinking about is what's the church look like in a year and in five years and ten years and twenty years. Maybe you're not concerned with that. I don't know. Maybe you're just concerned with what we're doing right here, right now. What this church is doing right here, right now. And just like going to a doctor, the doctor can give you a report and you can say, and just ignore it. But I just want to make you aware. So um, what does a healthy church look like? It depends on who you ask. But let me tell you a couple of things. There's this thing called natural church development, and they've measured eight characteristics of a healthy church. And let me tell you about their research. Their original research was conducted in about 1,000 churches from 32 countries. Their newest research is from 75,000 churches, 220 million responses, 2.3 million people, 86 countries, more than 100 denominations. So they've gathered large churches, small churches, well-known churches, not so well-known churches, every denomination, and they've gathered the data, and they said, Here, here's what a healthy church looks like. It has to do with loving relationships and effective structures and empowering leadership and gift-based ministry and inspiring worship services and holistic small groups and neo-oriented evangelism and passionate spirituality. Now, that is a health assessment tool. Let me tell you what we've been using, because you're familiar with this. It's called the Church Health Assessment, and it's from the Cybert Institute out at Abilene Christian. So Don Hebert has been... Um, we, we, we've been doing this, and Don comes and gives us a report. They measure nine areas. You're familiar with this. Don has come and talked about this. 
vision, mission, and goals, ministries, activities, perception of family stages, spiritual formation, discipleship, worship, congregational culture and values, leadership, church relationships, finance, and facilities. Now, in 2016, red is not good. Red is not healthy. Red is way down on a lower score. That's how we scored in 2016. We had one category in the green. I know that's hard to read. It's the one in the middle, which is worship. So in 2016, that's how we scored. And we took it again in 2018. And our health was improving. And we took it again in 2021. And our health is improving. And we still have people say, why, why are we doing that? Because 1,200 churches have closed their doors in the last three decades. And we don't want to be one of those churches. So we're measuring our health. We're measuring our health. I'll probably tell you more about this as we talk about this in, in weeks to come. I, I, I have had or am having 21 doctor's appointments this year. I'm so sick of doctors, it's not even funny. I'm... Oh, sorry, Betty. <laughs> You're retired, so you don't count anymore. <laughs> we don't want to be one of those churches. That's why in the last several years, you've heard us talk about church health and church assessments. But there are a variety of reasons why some churches close their doors. One reason should never be that a church is unwilling. A church is unwilling to change or adapt or give up or concede, un unwilling. Again, I'm, I'm just trying to make you aware. I just want to make you aware. So maybe we need to talk about what an unhealthy church looks like. Um, some examples of an unhealthy church. Here's what I mean. When I go to the doctor, sometimes the doctor feels like it's easier to spot unhealthy symptoms. So if I go to the doctor for a sinus infection, what color is your snot? Tell me about your drainage. Are you running a fever? Um, how's your sleep? And how's your appetite? Because unhealthy symptoms are sometimes easier to spot. And a doctor can say, well, based on these unhealthy, here's what we need to do. So, um, let me just do these real quick, because these are no fun. What does an unhealthy church look like? Um, do you have members who hold you ransom? Now, if it makes you feel any better, and it shouldn't, even the followers of Jesus asked the same question. Remember James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Wow. And sometimes you have members, if you don't do what we ask, it's like the kid on the playground who brings the ball, and if you don't play the way I want to play, I'm going to take my ball and go home. And sometimes you have that in churches, which a church consultant, Win Arn has surveyed members from a thousand churches and said, why does the church exist? And 89% said the church's purpose is to take care of my families and my needs. Only 11% said the purpose of the church is to win the world for Jesus. Another unhealthy symptom, do you have members who want position and power? Again, in the same context, in Mark 10, Jesus told them, it's not about position, it's not about power. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. But sometimes you got people who will say, regardless of what it is, it doesn't matter what committee, what ministry, what leadership role, well, when I'm in charge, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Jesus said, that's not what that's about. Another unhealthy deal, do you have members who feel entitled? 
And they'll say things like, well, I've been a member here for X years. My parents were members here. My grandparents were, I was related to Noah. And so because... <laughs> now, you want to know the common denominator in unhealthy churches? There are selfish people, plain and simple, selfish. You want to know who that describes? Everybody here. Everybody here at some time or another, I don't want to, I don't like, I deserve, I feel like. Anytime you see the word or hear the word I, we're being selfish. So, um, those are some unhealthy characteristics. But again, we, we got a positive health report. That's, that's why we do this every two years. That's why I go to the doctor every year. We do checkups because we want to know how we're doing that's why we do those. So here's how I want to spend the rest of our time. I want to talk about what a healthy church looks like. And it's my opinion from Scripture. So I believe healthy churches are bold churches. Let me illustrate. When you open your New Testament, the first four books are called the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And then you get to the book of Acts. That's the fifth book in the New Testament. Acts is an account of what the church looked like in the first century. What the church looked like in the first century. It's an account of what God did through the church in the first century. Acts is not a blueprint. Here's how you do church. There's way too many people who are more interested in how you do church instead of how we should be the church. And I think that's what Acts is talking about. Here's how Acts starts. He says, In my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. In my former book, Luke wrote Acts, so his former book is the Gospel of Luke. In my former book, I told you everything that Jesus started. But in this book, I'm going to tell you about the continuing work of Jesus. And the continuing work of Jesus has a lot to do with the Holy Spirit. We won't spend a lot of time on that, but that's a sermon series down the road. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. That's the word. We've looked at this before. We've preached through Acts. That's the word dunamis. That's the word dynamite. You will receive dynamite. That's a boldness there. You know what dynamite is? That's what they use, and there's an explosion. And when there's an explosion, there's a ripple effect. And so it started in Jerusalem, and it went to Judea and Samaria, and it went to the ends of the earth. And we're here today because we're still experiencing the ripple effect of that power, that dynamite. Which is why Paul writes in 2 Timothy, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. Same word, dunamis, dynamite. God gives us a power, a dynamite, so that we can um, be bold Christ followers in a bold church. Here's what we read in Ephesians. I pray for you to know this incomparably great power. Same word. For us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. The same power that God used, whatever God did, however God did, the same power that he used to raise Jesus, he gives to us. I'm not sure we know how to use it. I'm not sure we know what it is. But we have that power, and that power gives us boldness. And that's what we find in the book of Acts. God explodes onto the scene through His Spirit, and the church explodes onto the scene, and there's a bold movement. When you read Acts, it's a bold movement of the church. 
And we find in the book of Acts is what the power of God can do when we let the power of God embolden us as individuals and as a church because healthy churches are bold churches and God's Spirit makes bold witnesses out of us. Here's what... um, Remember when Peter and John were arrested? And they said, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard because they had a boldness. And then they prayed, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And after they prayed, they spoke, with the, they spoke the word of God boldly. So I believe healthy churches are bold um, churches with bold Christ followers. Something happened to these guys. Something happened to the church. I mean, 50 days ago, they ran from Jesus. 50 days ago, they were scared to death, and yet now they're not afraid to face death. And everywhere they went, they boldly preached. And that's what we find in Acts. They were boldly in their communities and in their synagogues and in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth because the Holy Spirit empowered them to be bold witnesses. I believe a healthy church is a bold church, and healthy Christians are bold Christians. Bold in their teaching, in their witness, in their giving, in their missions, in their outreach, in their convictions. Bold in their failures. And then we get to the end of Acts. And I find the end of Acts interesting. We're skipping a lot of Acts, but we've been through Acts. I love the way Luke ends the book of Acts. Paul has been arrested, and even being arrested and thrown in prison... He uses for Christ, and he preaches boldly. And when he's in prison, even Caesar's household hears about him. In prison. So he boldly continued. Here's how we end the book of Acts. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him, boldly and without hindrance. Paul preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's a great verse. It's even more greater, more awesome in the original language. Paul remained a whole two years in his own apartment and welcomed all the ones coming to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness unleashed. It's how it ends in the original language. The last word in the book of Acts is unleashed. Unleashed. Wow. With all boldness unleashed, with all boldness unhindered, without chains, without shackles, without hindrance, without bound. That's how the book of Acts ends. And then we keep reading about the church in the first century. Because God's still looking for bold followers. And God's still looking for a bold church. A church that's not afraid. A church that's not afraid to dream or cross boundaries or reach out or give or send missionaries or be in the community or to stretch or to get out of a rut so that they don't close. A church that's not afraid, a church that is bold. Because healthy churches are bold churches. I mean, think about that. What would your life look like with all boldness unleashed? What would your life look like if you really allowed God to empower you and embolden you? For the power of God to remove the addictions from your life, to remove the bad habits, to remove the sin that chains you, the guilt that binds you, to unshackle you from your past, to unleash you with boldness. What would that look like? What would this church look like with all boldness unleashed? 
to no longer be bound by the traditions of men, to no longer be bound by personal agendas, to no longer be bound by what we want, to no longer be bound by our small expectations, to no longer be bound by these walls or by this building. What would it look like for the church that God wants us to be to have all boldness unleashed? Listen, I believe God's still calling us to be bold witnesses. I believe God's still calling us to be a bold church. Listen, listen, folks, being a follower of Jesus, being the church Jesus established, is more than just what happens inside these walls. It's more than going to worship. It's more than singing some songs. It's more than reading your Bible. It's more than praying. It's more than attending some Bible class. It's more than small groups. All those things are good. But at the core of being a Christ follower is being empowered by the Holy Spirit. To live bold lives. To be a bold church. Because we don't want to be one of those churches. So to be a bold church, we might need to get our eyes checked. And let's come together for what's best for this church and this community. No more personal agendas. No more being bound by things that you, you, you've heard me say this before. Most of the stuff we fuss about has, has nothing to do with what we read in the New Testament. It's stuff that I want, I deserve, I think, I prefer. This isn't a church of preferences. This isn't a church of opinions. This is the church that Christ built. And He gets to determine where we move forward. Let's be a bold church. Let's pray.